0: It immediately spits and faces you. Uh, I, I keep yelling at it um, to give board uh, a little bit more time. Um, and uh, I'm gonna to take
1: a shot at it as well with oh. my pill. Okay? Oh. So that's a 15. A 15 does not. So you you kinda go out and you pound on your chest a little bit and uvulate you, you at this thing and scream to get its attention and it turns, and you bring up your bow almost instantaneously afterwards and get an arrow into the air, but it it whiffs just a little bit past the left of its face. And that will bring us to Falk. Please give me a death a death saving throw.
2: Alright. This is uh,
1: a one. A one? A one. Falk, you're dead.
3: Fuck. Holy Lord.
1: Uh. Tom, it's your turn. Uh. All right. Um...
3: Uh. I just don't really have an, a way of knowing that he died. Uh,
1: no, you definitely don't. And I would think that your only option is to shoot at it more. That's
3: 16. 16 plus 3 plus 3 turns into 8.
1: Oh, yeah. Plus
3: 1. 9 damage. 9
1: damage. Why don't you uh, go ahead and describe to me uh, how this thing dies? Oh,
3: shit. Uh... <laughs> the uh, the the monster grabs at its vital and starts writhing around in paint and then it topples over backwards and completely smashes the, uh, the postal office. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah, Falk, your uh, your dead corpse is somewhere in that debris. Then. Uh, that uh, actually. We're gonna call it there, and we'll see if Falk lives or dies next time on Fillmore's Crossing.
4: Okay, so I am next to uh, the Fallen Falk, right? I'm kind of in that area. You're,
1: you're, you're nearer to the Crossing House than you are to the Telegraph Office, but I would say that you're within 30 feet of all of that rubble and stuff, so w- as a move action, you could absolutely get there.
4: Okay, so I want to go do a medicine check to see if there's anything I can possibly do to help him. Because I'm not sure if he's dead or not, right?
1: So why don't you make me a perception check first and foremost so that you can try and spot Falk among all of this Debris and stuff? Because if we're still in initiative, this just happened.
4: Right. I, I like it, Debris. It's a but- thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to name a character that... Uh, anyway, 17 plus 7, so 24.
1: So you can actually see the magic of his uh, battery that he carries on his back, kind of okay. pulsating and glowing among the rubble. So yeah, you can spot him. He's he's sort of buried under uh, under some like uh, timber and stuff. Like not to the point where you can't access him, but he's definitely under some
4: stuff. Okay, I would like to see. If, do I do I need to move anything to to check for his head head damage or? He's still breathing or whatever.
1: Um. Yeah, I would say that you're going to need to to kind of clear some some of this stuff off, but it's not very heavy, so you okay. could probably just spend the rest of this uh, this turn doing that.
4: Okay, and I will say do that.
1: whatever you want to say.
4: Guys, I, I found Falk. He's he he doesn't look good. Can, can anybody anybody?
1: And then Igmit, you're next.
0: Um. How far away am I from Alvari?
1: Um, I would say a solid fifty feet. Uh,
0: but I could hear her.
1: Oh, a- absolutely.
0: Can can you help him?
4: I, I gotta get the stuff off of him first. I'll I'll see what I can do.
0: Can I uh use my action to run as far towards towards them as I can?
1: You can get all the way there if you uh, if you dash. Alright, I'll do that. And I'll let you try and I'll let you help Olivari with your bonus action to clear away the rubble and stuff. So uh Okay, yes, and then uh, Boris is is next and he uh he turns and he immediately looks at you, Tom, and you're standing in the doorway of the of Portnoy's uh gunsmithing shop. Or maybe out on the porch. I'm not a hundred percent, but in that general vicinity, and he goes, Oi! Oi, Tom! I think he needs you. You, you, you gotta hurry. And it is your turn, Tom. What are you doing?
3: So I uh, lower my my rifle and I pull out my hand my new magic handguns, and I'm just gonna dash over. Use all my dash actions and everything. I also want to confirm the kill.
1: <laughs> okay, so you. I mean, it does. It like I said before, it seems like everything is starting to wither away and blow in the in the wind like it hasn't like there's still a giant mound where the where the colossus fell but you can definitely see that flakes are starting to come off of these uh zombies and fly into the wind and stuff like you you feel pretty you feel pretty uh safe to say that things are all right at least for the time being and so you make it basically to the well and you're still a pretty uh You're still a pretty good clip away, I would say, at least another seventy feet, and so then that brings us to uh, Olivari.
4: Do do do. Medicine is not my thing.
1: That is
4: a nine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're pretty confident that you think he's you think he's dead. You can't find any sign of vitals, and you don't know if it's because you're failings or because he's dead but he you you just look at you assess the wounds you've been in enough combat at this point in your life that he doesn't look good you know his body is twisted in different ways and like he just has bruises all over his face and one half of it is is twice the size that it should be but he makes Mm -hmm. no noise or anything when you turn him over like you don't even hear the sound of air escaping from his lungs I mean, thing things look Ugh. really bad Lord
4: uh, I, I think it's too late I, I can't do anything for him
0: no, Nonsense They got all kinds of magical bullshit uh, let's, let's Let's wait for Tom
4: Well, maybe Tom's got something better than I do But I can't help him anymore
0: God damn it
4: Don't you mean Ernie, damn it?
0: I do not subscribe to this monotheism that the imperial folk (laughs) has thrown upon us. All right. I believe in the great desert spirit. I'll have you know. But now is not the time to discuss theology. I have a Uh,
4: good friend here. Oh all right I assume it's the next person's turn
1: <laughs> yeah it, that i I guess uh Igma, unless you want to say something else, I'm just gonna pass you to Tom
0: no, no, no i'm uh okay, here's the deal, Tim. here's the thing, all right, I refuse to let this shit show get any worse, so <laughs> if i can uh can I make a strength check, and if i if I make it Can I pick up Falk and, um,
1: uh, begin carrying him? Roll it. That's, uh, 28. Okay. So for the second time in this campaign, you scoop one of your friends and you start to hear love lift us up where we belong. Hell yeah. And you start sprinting towards Tom. With Falk in your arms, his head just bobbing and his arms flopping and flailing at his side in just these grotesque angles, as you charge towards Tom. And Tom, after this, uh, you could get to him in in your turn uh, with just your your basic move action.
3: Chariots a Fire? Now, what the fuck? Um, <laughs>
4: no one told me it was '80s music
3: night. <laughs> as I'm running towards Igmit, we're almost, we're almost uh, to each other, and I, I trip, and one of my magic guns goes flying. Are you fucking. <laughs> and then I, I kind of just kneel down on the ground after as I, as I try to recover, and I say, "Set him down here," as if it was on purpose.
0: You need to do whatever the hell your magical god bullshit
3: can do. Now. Let me see him. Set him down here. All right, I set him down. I do a couple quick checks. It's obvious that he's dead. And uh, without even hesitation, I cast Revivify.
1: What does that look like?
3: Uh, I put my hand on his chest, and it takes just a second and suddenly uh, a, a kind of a blue uh, kind of a blue slow lightning aura goes out from my fingertips into his body and uh, the creature returns to life with one hit point as long as it's within a minute of time it's within a minute of time
1: and all of a sudden Falk's broken form just
2: hey I'm here and- everybody <laughs> 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 my eyes uh instantly like widen and go um you know dart as wide as they could possibly be and i I look over at tom and um thank god you're alive (laughs) Uh, all of you oh my god i thought you were goners
3: more importantly the zombie monster is a goner
2: Uh, how'd you do it and what what happened what how'd i get over here
3: I just hold up the magic pistol that I have, the one left in my hand, and I kind of give a
2: toothy grin. Well, that sure sp- explains a lot.
4: I'm going to walk over and be like, well, damn, you got some good magic there, boy.
3: I just nod, and then I say, um, how are you feeling? Can you stand? Uh, I don't know. Can I? are <laughs> for
1: it, I guess. No, you 100% cannot. Like, oh, your. Okay. Your arms are barely working. Like, your face is barely working. Like, I would say at this point, it's hard for you to speak. Like, it hurts for you to speak. Alright,
2: so that initial adrenaline that happened from when the the revivification (laughs) happened instantly kind of wears off, and my excitement goes to... uh... Also, like, when all that stuff happened, like, these, um, sort of, uh... Like silvery gray hair streaks happened in the, on the sides of my head, kind of like uh, Doctor Strange. Now
3: more like Rogue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>.
3: <laughs> I thought Wesley was She's the Rogue. My- okay, we are we are out of initiative, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um,
4: uh, do, uh, does he need some more healing? I I can help with that part.
2: Uh, please feel free.
4: Okay, so I will. Go ahead and cast some Cure Wounds, and we'll do that at level three, because he's definitely needing 18 points of healing.
2: Oh, wow. So, (laughs) I'm guessing that that makes me kind of, like, inflate like a balloon to normal size. (laughs) Yeah, so, you're,
1: you're, uh your legs and arms are usable again the side of your face still looks like uh rocky after his first fight with apollo creed <laughs> nice but but other than that like you're you're at least able to get up and and you know speak to them and stuff and and weirdly enough though uh Igmit, you don't remember grabbing any of uh falk's stuff or his or his weapons or anything like that but it's all on your body at this point, Falk. All right, like resting in your uh, pistol belt and like strapped across your back next to your battery.
0: Igmet's gonna step back, um, take the scattergun off his um, back, and uh, just look around, um, see if there are any other potential threats. Um, maybe I can make a perception check. Please do. Oh, that's only a land nine.
1: You're you're looking around and you can see that uh that Patrick Portnoy is he's sitting standing out on his porch, sorta of staring at <laughs> you guys hard eyed. And um back back behind you, um, in the cross on like on the crossing house porch, like all of the miners that were drinking in there and Polly Jorgensen and uh her daughters, uh all but Prentice, who is probably upstairs sleeping, you would guess, or hiding somewhere. But they're uh, they're all kind of on the porch, just like watching this whole thing. And everybody, on, everybody on the Crossing House porch, when you look over and you kind of make eye contact with them, they all kind of like tip their hats, except for the ladies who aren't wearing any. Um, but everybody <gasps> <think> else, cur- <laughs> uh, no, they definitely do not. They're they're not curtsying sort of women.
0: Can I can I say something? Um. Sure. I I look over at the crossing house and I just wave my hand and I say, Howdy, Andrea!
3: Oh my gosh. And um just go back go about my business again.
2: Why are you gonna hate on that, Brian?
3: Cause he was the one that told you in a previous episode, we ain't got time for women. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well now we're out oh, of initiative. We got shoot. plenty of time. No, brother.
3: I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna get up. We survived that we've got time. <laughs> I'm gonna get up and dust off and go and pick up the magic gun I dropped and give kind of a half glance towards Portnoy, but not actually look at him. <laughs> Is the gun okay?
2: Yes. And so after the like sort of excitement of, you know, getting revived and everything wears off, like instantly Falk's face sort of changes to a lot more serious and, um, he begins to start to kind of, like, pace around, but, like, you know, limping and everything and then looking at all the damage that had happened. Noticing the, the, uh, you know, telegraph office, for one. And, um, Hmm. and he's just constantly, like, kind of um, muttering to himself and then he, like, kind of turns back around and, um, for one he, he goes up to Utah and, um, then just kind of, you know, gives you like a, a hug and thanks, buddy. No problem. Oh, that that was Aww. that was pretty crazy. Got it. Got to admit. Um, and then he like kind of lets go of Tom and uh, he walks. You over try to, to
0: hug his, me, I'll knock course. your head off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. He he walks. Uh, no, he like has that moment where he's about to, and then like kind of shakes his head and, and realizes that would be a bad thing. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be dead twice in one day. Um, But he, he does walk over to, um, to Boris and, um, he's like, uh, hey man, thanks for, for helping save the town. Um, I gotta ask you, man, like that, that favor I asked you for earlier, it would really mean a lot to me if I could have that gauntlet. He, uh, he looks at you and,
1: and he says, uh yeah all right and he takes it off of his hand and says i mean you might well might as well take both of them because we're used to i have four (laughs) and he hands you both of them who is wearing his (laughs) armor (laughs) (laughs) no he was just wearing the gauntlets (laughs) what (laughs)
2: that is a weird dude (laughs) Like I assumed, he probably just had him packed in his horse or whatever, but that's that's fine. <laughs> I can roll with that. So I do take the gauntlets and I kind of stuff them in a, um in a little side saddle of uh, Donnie's. and then I, I grab Donny's um uh, reins I also grab the the reins of um Tom's horse, and I like slowly start like limping and, and leading them over to um to the the gun shop, Portnoy's uh, gun shop, and um once I I get over there, uh, let me, can I see all the damage from, from out where I am? Like, kind of, Oh yeah. I mean, it's readily apparent. Um, Mr. Portnoy, um, I'm sorry for what my partner kind of did to your, your property there. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you inevitably let him, you know, kind of save the town and all that. But, um, I I want to make it up to you. Um, And I open the saddlebag with the the gold on Donnie and then walk over to Tom's horse and open the saddlebag with the other half of the gold on on there. I'm like, I think that ought to cover the damages. He uh,
1: walks over and looks in the one saddlebag and goes over and looks in the other one and he goes, I think it will. You're right.
2: Yeah, I ask you one more favor, though? What is it? Would you mind if I used your shop for a little bit, sort of rented the workbench? Uh, I got something that that I need to make that'll help us out with all this stuff going on here. And um, I I reach into my coat, and I um, fiddle out, like, a a little notebook and stuff and kind of flip through the pages to a certain one, and I hand it to him. And it's uh, a sort of list of um, sort of schematics and stuff of uh, what I want to make.
1: He looks it over quick and he says, "You'll find everything you need in the back there, and I'll uh, I'll call whatever you take, even with the the amount of gold you get in me. But I do want the fucking
2: guns back. I'll tell you <laughs> what. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll I'll get those back for you.
0: Uh Igmund." walks over um, to Tom and he, and he just kind of whispers like you know we could kill this bastard and no one would be wiser <laughs> just say he's a casualty
1: except for all of the people on the crossing house porch that are
3: staring at you as he say that as he as he says that I, I my eyebrows raise up and i take my glasses off and just kind of look at him and then i clean them and i put them back on my eyes and i say I need to go check on the graveyard, and I make my way towards Dusty's place. All right, what are you doing, Alivari?
4: I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Um, is is Tom still just hanging out?
1: Tom is heading off towards the graveyard.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Falk. Is he?
1: Uh, yeah, Falk is just hanging out, talking to uh, Patrick. Do you maybe want to do something before you just run off again, Tom? <gasps> It's Tom. I know. Do you maybe want to do something before you run off again?
2: If I could change, you could
3: change. <laughs> no, I'm walking. I'm, I <laughs> I just saw the zombies. I'm walking to the graveyard.
4: So at this point, Alavari's is just standing there like, what am I?
3: I definitely don't acknowledge the demon woman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So...
1: As soon as you turn and start marching in a different direction, Tom, you hear, Where the fuck do you think you're going with I'm my stuff? I'm not done with
3: them yet. We made a
1: fucking <laughs> I agreement. Just raised my hand. You are fucking done. You're going to bring them back right now. <laughs> Tell your fucking partner that he's bringing the shit back or you're not using fucking fuck all. And I'm taking all the gold.
2: I cast message to Tom. I'm like, come on, dude. Uh, bring his property back please I, I really need to to use as a uh, workbench there
3: I stop and I stop and let out a very visible sigh and then I just turn and walk back to the gunsmith
0: oh what what the hell you give him all the gold for my hell half of that was mine well at least a third of that was mine <laughs> and you giving it to that bastard racist some bitch <laughs> what's that for
2: uh, I guess I turn around and, and walk towards, uh, limp towards Igmet very, um, slowly. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what I'm going to be doing with this, it's going to make it so that none of us, I'll be able to fuck some shit up, right? And like, I don't see any of us dropping again.
0: This was never in the contract. They never said nothing about zombie monsters, and I want a raise.
2: (laughs) Done.
4: Y'all had a contract?
0: (laughs) Well, I was supposed to keep these yahoos alive.
4: Well, I guess you kind of did your job, then. (laughs) What exactly is your arrangement?
0: Uh, I guide them wherever they want to go, and I'm a hired gun.
4: So, you don't give two fucks about them, is what I hear. Other than the money. Uh.
0: I mean, they're better than s- some of the trash around here.
4: <laughs> Thanks, um, buddy. Well, that's fair.
0: <laughs> they're decent for humans.
4: <laughs> well, that's decent praise, I guess. Uh. But. So, you know about this, uh. this asshole with the guns, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, he he don't care for orcs.
4: I'm surprised he's still alive. He was a pain in my ass last time I came through here.
0: Oh. Uh-uh. You wanna help me kill him?
4: <laughs> 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 <What the fuck? laughs> well, I wouldn't be talking about that out in public, especially with uh that one, and I'm gonna like motion my head towards Tom. Oh my gosh. He he doesn't seem to take kindly. To to our
0: kind. Mm. They never let me have any fun.
4: <laughs> well, I'm going to switch and pa- cast message to Igmit. Be like, maybe later when everyone else is asleep.
0: All right, I just said, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 uh.
3: You sound like she just
2: asked you to go to the tractor pull or something like that.
4: (laughs) 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 Well, we don't have tractors, so... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, um, Alavari then will I guess just walk back to the crossing house. I've got nothing left to do with these guys. Hey, Igma, you wanna
1: come with me uh yeah i'll I'll come with you so you guys uh both walk up to the crossing house and polly actually like rushes in ahead of you guys and uh before you even have a chance to sit down she's already got uh she's already got shots of whiskey poured um for way more people than you're pretty sure that you saw on the porch and you're kind of impressed with how quickly she got all of these drinks lined up. And she goes, "Drinks is on the house tonight. We we're gonna party until you guys don't want to party no more. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll keep them coming as long as there's liquor." And oh,
4: uh, right. This is the kind of party I like.
1: Yeah, she starts uh, handing out shots to everybody, and the miners are the happiest that they've ever been you know, free booze, and uh, I will, unless you guys want to talk a little bit, I'm going to go and cut over to Falk.
4: I think we're just going to have fun having shots. I will probably get up and play something at some point, <laughs> unless, the, okay. unless the guitar player is around.
1: Um, you do not see him
4: anywhere around, no. So I'm going to take two shots, and then I am going to go start my fiddle. All right, why don't you give me a performance check? That is a uh, 25. Um oh
1: yeah. So you immediately get this place just rocking. Um everybody seems to be kind of having a good time and and dancing around and uh and Andrea even uh comes and pulls you out Igmet, and you guys dance around for a little bit until uh until you guys get tired, but I mean, I'm going to assume that this is what you guys are doing for at least the next 30 minutes, correct? Yes. yes. All right, dope. Yeah, you guys are having a great time. The miners are happy. Um, <clears throat> actually, after a little while, um, some more of the townsfolk come in, and, uh, like, uh, Igma, you would recomm- You would recognize uh, Tathleel, the el- elven boy who uh, belonged to Jethro and the Widow Gottfried. Um, and... Uh, yeah and Lucius, uh, Fillmore, he comes in, and, and they all seem a little bit shaken up at first when they come in, but as soon as they get a couple of drinks in them, you know, they, they start bobbing their heads to the music, and before long, they can't help but start to join in, and, and so, you know, it definitely seems like things are, at least, like, people are trying to pretend like things are okay, and, uh, so Tom, are you heading back to give the weapons back or are you ignoring Falk?
3: I, I, I just marched straight into the place. Is uh And handed him all his stuff back. Well is he in is he in is he in visual range of me right now? Hey. Yeah, if you're
1: if you turned around pretty much immediately, the entire thing would have happened within visual range.
3: I mean while I'm in his place, in his store. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Brian.
2: I don't even know if he would have let you back into his story. He probably just would have told you to give him his shit outside.
3: I gotta go in. My stuff's in there. I, uh, every single belt buckle I undo and every weapon that drops, I'm standing there glaring at him. And then I just grab my stuff in a bundle and I just march out.
1: <laughs> and fuck off, too! <laughs> You fucking lanky bald bastard! Yeah,
2: it's like the walk of shame after a college hookup.
1: <laughs> I hope you get a crotch itch. <laughs> you fucking bastard! Like, like Patrick is heated. Like you can, you can see all of the bu- the veins in his forehead, and he has incredibly wrinkled skin, and it's very papery. But they're just bulging. The veins on his neck are bulging, like. This dude is incredibly
3: pissed off, but, uh... As as I'm walking away, I say, Set a better trap next time.
1: Oh, you best fucking believe I will! It's gonna be (laughs) the biggest goddamn trap this side of fucking... Holy... And he, like, takes a few deep breaths, and he looks at you, Falk, and he says, You're real lucky that that's a lot of gold.
2: Yeah. Ugh. Well, I mean, from looking at things, that that was a pretty, pretty decent trap there. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of help him pick up some of the stuff before I go back to the workshop. And um, you know, any time that I'm not like speaking to him about like sort of just idle chit chat, I've uh, you know kind of looked, stared off into the distance, and have been like you know muttering sort of random things and everything like that. And so.
1: As you're kind of helping him clean up and stuff, he he eventually gets uh, pretty satisfied with how tidy the place is. And he comes in, into the back with you when you begin your work, and he opens up the satchel with the whole bars of gold. And he just kind of inspects them for a little
2: while, and he goes, Now, where
1: did you say you got these from?
2: Uh, you know, that that guy we wrangled up out of town like their whole gang attacked us and we were able to to capture one of them he's over in the jail cell over there they had a few bags of this gold and and yeah I mean they were going to do a lot worse with it than I'm sure you would and uh, yeah figured it's better and safer in your hands than in any of those criminals
1: I mean We ain't seen consortium activity in Fillmore's Crossing in at least 25 years. It should be fine. They probably don't exist anymore, anyway. And he goes back to just fiddling with some
2: stuff. Okay, I was about to ask him, like, uh, you know, what is that, like, a bank or something? But after he turns around, I kind of, you know, just go back to what I was doing and kind of drop the question. And and so, yeah, like, I, I, I... head back there and I start like sort of going through my uh, my schematics and everything and um, basically the first thing I do is take out that, that one uh, left-handed glove or you know gauntlet uh, I do I did still hold on to um, some of the gold and I take it to the uh, crucible and melt it all down and the first thing I do is put a layer of gold over, over that gauntlet and then um, after that I, I melt down a, a piece of the adamantine pick and lay it out into sort of um, thin flat strips. I eventually um, sort of make little, uh, I guess, sort of receptacles for the the acid that I had gotten, and kind of um, put those adamantine strips into the acid. And then the copper wire goes from the from those strips to like the fingers of the gloves, and then also to these like uh, sort of round receptacles that I made for the. Uh, kind of around the knuckles and everything, and one part in the, the center of the glove. I also cut out a, a few pieces of the um, the purple dragon scale and um, lay those into those sockets too. And then um, on top of all that, I set a gemstone, some quartz, in each of those things.
1: Okay, so I need you to roll me... So we're going to do, first and foremost, roll me 2d8. 2d8.
2: Uh, seven, uh, five.
1: Okay, so that's your baseline amount of time for how long this is going to take you, right? And we'll check back, um, with, uh, with just some... I'm not 100% what you should roll for building yet, but basically you can shorten it or it's just gonna take you 12 hours.
2: Yeah, I'll take the the full 12 hours, and he's determined, uh...
1: Cool, so yeah, that's gonna be what you're doing for the next little bit, and I'll just check back in with you periodically and see if you want to talk to Patrick or something like that while you're working and uh so Tom, you are headed towards the the edge of the city towards the cemetery correct mm-hmm um so as you get closer you can you can see that uh like already that there is there is a lot of damage to to the the cemetery in general like you can see that some of the headstones have been kind of pushed over to the side and and stuff like that and you can you can see even at this distance that that it looks like like something was forcing its way obviously the zombie out of the dirt and in the majority of the graves and One of the things that you do see is that mausoleum, and it looks undisturbed, but other than that mausoleum that's in the center, you know, the one that uh, says Fillmore over the top of it, all the other grave sites uh, look like they've been exhumed at this point. And you look around and you do not see Dusty on his porch like normal.
3: On my way over, I, I buckled up, and, and so I draw my, my revolver, and I head into his uh, little house there, cautiously. Um,
1: so, how do you want to open up the door? Like, just slowly kind of a thing?
3: Are there windows I can peer through first? Yeah. I'd like to do that.
1: Make me a perception check.
3: <laughs> Six.
1: All right, perfect. You don't think there's anybody in there.
3: (laughs) I'm creaking open the door.
1: All right. You, again, don't think you see anybody in there. Do you want to walk inside?
3: Yeah, I'll say uh, Dusty, and I'll fling the door open and take a step in.
1: Does a 15 hit your armor class?
3: (laughs) 18 armor class.
1: Okay, so... You catch a frying pan like directly in the chest, <laughs> and it kind of boom against your chainmail. And it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't really hurt either. And you look dead in the eyes, and you can see Dusty's wild eyes and his hair just jutting everywhere. And he's not wearing his hat. And he goes, Oh, 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 I'm real sorry, sir. <laughs> Woohoo. You ain't a zombie, is ya?
3: <laughs> I do that thing where I put my hands in the air and my my, my gun is open-palmed, you know how, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, and you kind of let it hang down as though like, yeah. hey, I'm not gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho, oh, oh, good to see you, Tom. I think I should've, <laughs> should've put myself in that coffin like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Hell you what, boy?
3: <laughs> Dusty, tell me what happened tonight.
1: Let me go put a can of beans on and I'll, I'll tell you the whole story. Fuck
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: he, he walks over um, he walks over to the shelf and he uh, takes out his his knife and he kind of saws open this can of beans and he sets it. Onto uh, his wood stove and he goes, oh, well, uh, these we're just gonna have to eat them cold because I I put out the fire cuz you know all them all them zombies and shit cuz Okay, so you want to know what happened? Well, so I was sitting here and I was eating some beans and I was drinking some shine and well, then I started hearing this moaning outside, and I thought that maybe it was some teenagers, you know, getting busy in the cemetery. That little bit just tell you what? That's something. Uh, but it worked. No, I tell you, it was not teenagers. Instead, it was it was the souls that I had buried once, and they are crawling themselves. Oh Lord, oh Ernie, in heaven, just just crawling themselves out of the, out of their graves, and then. They came for me, and so I put out the fire, just doused it right quick, and then I I put the put put the door closed and got my trusted frying pan and I was ready for battle. I'll tell you what time I was ready, but they didn't come. They must have been focused on something else, I don't know.
3: <laughs> Deans may have to wait. I step outside and I don't want to use my spells a lot, so I'm just going to visually take a look at one of the open graves. Give me an investigation check, please. That's better. 19... 24. Um.
1: So you're looking, and it definitely looks as though something broke its way out and then started to claw its way up. Like, you can see that there are pieces of... Of flesh, like desiccated rotted flesh that is just embedded in the soil and stuff and you're kind of like bending over and peering inside of uh, one of these grave sites and uh, Dusty uh, comes up and he goes, I don't want to sound callous or nothing but you think anybody died up there? Cause uh, I'm a little short on money and the beans are running out
3: (laughs) There was at least one but we won't be needing a coffin
1: Why? You ain't going to cremate him, is you? Cremation (laughs) is going to ruin the soul, and there ain't no way for him to get to the afterlife if you cremate him. I'll tell you what. I hold my hand up, and I say,
3: I brought him back to life.
1: Wait, you can do that?
3: (laughs) How easy is it to open that mausoleum?
1: How easy is it for you to kill me and bring me back to life? That sounds kind of fun.
3: I'm going to make my way towards the
1: mausoleum. (laughs) He kind of follows you, and he's like... I mean, I'll have to go get the keys right quick. But I mean, I guess. I, wait, why you want to go in there? We ain't grave robbing. Because if we're gonna grave rob, we gotta figure out the slit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm, good old Dusty Barnes.
3: <laughs> Dusty, please go get your keys.
1: Alright, we gonna need any burlap sacks while we're at it, or not?
2: No, no burlap sacks.
1: You're gonna get in there, and
2: you're really gonna wish you had brought those burlap (laughs) sacks.
1: Oh, there's just a shitload of bees on the loose in the mausoleum. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So Dusty sprints off, and he's gone for a while. Like you would say a solid 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden you see the door bursts open again and he starts sprinting towards you. And he goes, here, I finally found him. I found my keys. Uh, I'm a, I might've stopped and had a snack, but it's okay. I got the keys. And then he also produces a jug from his belt and he goes, I also brought shine. Should we take a <laughs> shot?
3: I just reach out and grab it and take a, sh- a swig. And, and then I motion towards the door.
1: Hold on, I'm gonna need a real big one if we're opening that some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: he
1: takes uh he takes a large swig of the moonshine, and you can actually see that he's taking multiple gulps of it. Like bubbles are are going back into the bottle as he's chugging it down, and he kind of brings it back and goes, Woo-hoo-hoo! "Oh lord! All right, I'm-. <laughs>
2: and he uh, is he he doing that thing where he like uh has the one finger in the one little hole there but he cradles the rest (laughs) of the bottle in the pocket of the wrist and like you know is there any
1: other way to drink shine
2: (laughs) nice i'd assume when tom did it he just held it like a giant baby bottle
3: oh absolutely (laughs) two-handed (laughs)
1: <laughs> and he, he wanders over and he's still got the shine slung in that, uh, in that fashion where it's kind of resting on his wrist and he unlocks the door and uh, he like hugs it close like it's his child for a second and he pushes the door open and backs away. Roll me a perception check please Tom 22 you kind of peer inside and it definitely smells musty in there but it doesn't smell bad just stale but you can you can see that there is something moving in the corner like there's there's just a mass of writhing something just kind of moaning and groaning in the corner of this uh, of this
3: mausoleum I take the rock out of my pocket and I cast light on it and I hold it up into the in just inside the doorway
1: you hold it up and you can see that there are probably a dozen zombies sort of huddled in the corner and as soon as the light shines on them they all sort of turn and hiss at you and start sprinting towards the door
3: I'm gonna try to close it in time
1: all right why don't you uh why don't you roll me in initiative and we'll see what happens never mind don't bother that one <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you're man, good that was worrisome we
1: you you slam it shut and uh dusty dusty like watches you lock the door back up and hand him back the key and uh he says did it stink
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay I'm just going to nod, give him a pat on the shoulder, and I start walking back towards the, uh, towards the crossing Wait, house. you're and seriously
1: I... not going to warn this man about not going back into the mausoleum?
3: As I'm walking monster. away, I say, don't open that door again.
1: <laughs> All right, well, I hope no more Fillmore's die anytime soon, because, you know, they're quite <laughs> partial to that burial plot seeing as they pay for it and put it there. But maybe I'll make him open it. That'd be pretty funny, don't you think?
3: <laughs> I smile as I'm walking away.
1: You sure you don't want no more shiner beans?
3: I raise my hand. What,
1: what does that mean? I don't. I don't understand.
3: <laughs> I'm All fine, right. Dusty. Well, you,
1: you, you have a good day, Tom. I'll see you when you come back out here, though. Please don't be a stranger. We can play cribbage. Oh Lord. Olivari and Igmit, now that we are done with my favorite NPC in this entire
3: campaign
4: All right. um, Is it because you feel like you are him?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Dusty Demuse we call him (laughs) Has it been 30 minutes
0: or so?
1: I'd say Uh, so, yeah
0: Alright, well um, Igmit's Ingmunt's tired of dancing. He had fun, but um, he's gonna um, try and quietly slip out the back
1: if he can. Alright, uh, roll me a stealth check. Number. So that's a 27. Olivari, you can roll to a pose if you want to try and spot him sneaking out, but good luck, homie.
4: <laughs> that's a 24. Nope. So no,
1: I don't <laughs> You're kinda of scanning the room while you're playing your uh, while you're playing your fiddle and you definitely cannot spot Igmit. But you assume maybe he went to the outhouse or he might have gotten tired or something, but you definitely don't know where he is. Where are you going, Igmit? You are outside of the crossing house now.
0: Alright, um I'm gonna grab some rope off uh, off a saddle somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um can I can I just walk out of town?
1: Which which direction are you walking?
0: Um, the opposite way from the salt flats. So I, I want to walk into some high brush.
1: So you want to go... I mean, realistically, the salt flats were, like, to the northwest of town. So, I okay. mean, if you... Uh, or northeast, I'm sorry, it would have been northeast. So you could go basically anywhere west and be... Uh,
0: I'll um, I'll go southwest.
1: Why don't you make me a perception check while you're uh, kind of making your way through this brush and stuff? All
0: right, so that's a twelve.
1: Um. Oh shit! You actually. So as you're kind of making your way, um, you look. You look over maybe a hundred feet to to like the north of you almost. Um not quite due north, but just a little ways and You think you see a high elf in in what appears to be like, like wolf hide. Oh. But he doesn't appear to have noticed you, and he doesn't really appear to be doing anything other than just watching um you do see that there is a longbow strung across his back and a quiver and he's got his hair sort of uh sort of uh in this like long singular braid going down his back and uh it's it's very you can tell that uh that it's not completely black but it's hard to kind of make it out uh at this distance this late at night
0: I'm just going to look at him, and um, I'm going to put my finger up to my mouth, you know, the, the be quiet, you know, sign, and uh, just keep going on my way. What what sort of check would I have to make to try and find a pronghorn, an animal? Why
1: don't you make me a survival check to uh, try and find signs of... Uh...
0: That's a 24.
1: So you actually very quickly managed to pick up the trail of uh, of a four-legged hoofed animal um, about the size of a pronghorn you obviously cannot be 100% sure that that's what this is but mm-hmm. uh, you're pretty positive and so you start to you start to track it for a little ways and and after a minute the wind shifts into your direction so it's into your face now um Whereas okay. before it was kind of blowing north, now it's blowing east. And so like directly into your face. And as as a seasoned pronghorn hunter, you know that these animals like to run into the wind. And so this actually is probably not, um, not the worst thing that could have happened, but it's definitely not the best thing that could have happened. Like what you're hoping for, is you need the wind to um to be blowing away from you again so that way it will hopefully run back towards your direction, but right mm. now you're probably uh you're you would estimate that you're pretty far behind this thing, and maybe your best bet would be to set up some sort of a blind like a ground blind so that you could wait
0: um I will do that um i'll uh rip up some brush and and try and manufacture some kind of Make
1: me a nature uh, check please.
0: All right. Oh, that's a nat 20 plus 9, 29.
1: So you actually managed to find a little like a little crook in a cottonwood tree that already has a bunch of natural brush kind of growing around that area. And so it really just takes a little bit of effort on your part to make it into like this perfect blind. And as a matter of fact, this spot is so perfect that when you sit into this crook, it actually kind of cradles your back a little bit. And I mean, it's a, it's a mighty fine spot. And I'm going to actually cut back bow, to Olivari for bow. a minute.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Getting it freaky with the brush. Wow. That's... <laughs>
3: You could have just gone to the graveyard. The teenagers do it all the time. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs)
4: Um, Okay, so who is currently in the bar area?
1: So Polly Jorgensen is still uh, serving up drinks. Uh, Her daughter, Andrea, and uh, Sylvia are both... um, They're also kind of, you know, serving drinks to the minors and to you and... And to the other people that are in the crossing house. Um, Like I said, Lucius uh, Fillmore showed up. I think that you would know him. Uh, He didn't run the general store the last time that you were here, but I mean, he's got a prominent enough last name that. And then Tathleel, I mean, he's the only elf in town. So I think that you would definitely know him.
4: Tathleel?
1: He works at the general store uh, with the widow Gottfried. They're the his adopted
2: She's oh. his adopted mother. There's two general stores, oh. by the way.
4: Right, right Correct. Right, right. So Tom's not back yet, and Falk is also not back yet. I would guesstimate
1: that that Tom is probably gonna walk in the door soon if he's heading towards the crossing house. Mm-hmm. And Falk Are you is... heading towards the crossing house? I am. Falk is going to be building for the next 12 hours, so... 12 hours.
4: Okie dokie. So, I kind of overheard that he is definitely going to be at that place for a while, so I'm not going to worry about him. Um, Tom, however, if he comes in and I am still playing, uh, he'll have to make a wisdom save for me.
1: Okay, I, um... I'd say that yeah, you're still playing when he walks in. I I don't think that you would have slowed down in the time that it took him to walk back. So yeah, okay. Tom, please give us a will save.
3: Seventeen.
4: Oh, damn. Okay. You beat I have my really high wisdom. <laughs> yeah, you beat my fifteen. So nothing happens, you don't notice anything, but over a minute, uh, while you were there, you maybe kind of felt like you liked me a little bit, and then, like, you shook off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely shook it off. I'm getting enthralled by a demon lady. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's just music, you know? Sometimes you like a song. Who knows? Right? <laughs> so, uh, after I see him walk in, and I, I act like I didn't see him, and I'm just going to to use that as I... I'm attempting to enthrall him. And then uh, do you like walk in and sit down at the bar or something?
3: Can I tell that? Do I know what happened? Absolutely not. I just felt something, but I had no
1: explanation for it. Nope. And you've felt that when bards have been performing before. And so like you would probably brush it off as somebody just trying to get extra tips. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you would assume that it's anything
3: Anything that's any big deal at all. I'll lean against the bar and I'll pull out one of Fillmore's cigars <laughs> and light it up. And I'll just stand there staring at her awkwardly as I do.
4: <laughs>
3: the Tom okay. way.
4: As you do. Uh, okay, so I'm going to finish up my song and then I will walk up to you at the bar. And um I will take a shot. I assume that there's just like shots laying around now or oh like, yeah
1: 100%. Yes.
4: <laughs> I'll take a shot and I'll kind of push it towards Tom and be like you you definitely earned this out there today. You did that was amazing. What is that called?
3: As I'm talking to her, can I call this a short rest? <laughs> Absolutely not. Ah. <Aww. laughs> It was a revivify spell that I learned back in the, uh, seminary. I've never had to use it. Not on someone... that I was this close to.
4: Oh. Oh, man. Are, are you okay?
3: <clears throat> yes, I'm fine. Have you ever seen anything like that monstrosity before?
4: No, nothing like that. I, I mean, I've seen the zombies, but that was... Whew. Do you have any idea what it could have been? I,
3: uh, there are many things in this town I cannot explain. And that, <clears throat> that voice speaking about the bargain is one of them.
4: Do, do you know what the bargain would have been? At all?
3: I shake my head.
4: Hmm. Well, this town sure has changed since the last time I came through. It's only been about a year, and the whole place is going to hell. And at that, I will take a shot.
1: You look over and you can see that Polly is bleary-eyed at this point, and and probably five or six sheets to the wind. I mean, <laughs> she's been tr- she's been drinking shots as fast as she's been pouring them. Oh man! But it seems like. It seems like with every shot that she takes, she gets faster at pouring more. And, like, after a while, you can hear the miners that are at the end of the bar and they're just complaining, like, no, no more. Please, <laughs> like... <laughs> and she's just taunting them and, like, uh, trying to goad them into, you know, trying to go shot for shot against them and or against her and... basically just just admonishing them as much as humanly possible and you have never seen a human being with a liver like this like (laughs) this this stout woman uh, could probably drink any person that you've ever met under the table including dwarves and maybe you've met a dwarf or two in your travels Alivari but definitely not Tom
4: well that's something else that woman can sure drink
3: Where's my half-orc friend gone off to?
4: Uh, he slipped out the back. Uh, I, I don't know where he went.
3: Well, I may need to take a short siesta. I douse my cigar in the nearest ashtray, and then I start making my way towards the stairs.
4: I suppose I need a, a room for the night as well. Uh, can I flag down Polly or something?
1: It, it's, on the, it's on the house. <laughs> And she just hands you a key and her movements and motions do not match her, her verbal skills. Like her speech skills do not match the way that she's moving around at this point. Like, it almost seems like she's gone on a sort of autopilot. Sure. Like, you know, and so she, yeah, she hands you, uh, she hands you a key and, uh, it goes back to, uh, making fun of, uh, the miners at the end of the bar. Yep.
4: Um, Just for kicks, I'm going to go up to one of the miners and be like, hey, how many shots you had?
1: <laughs> uh, and he looks at the ground and looks at you and
4: goes, 10? Only 10? If you can do one more with me, I will give you five gold. He kind
1: of looks at you and his head is sort of wobbling and his eyes are darting all over the place and he goes, all right. (laughs) And uh, he picks up a shot and he kind of clinks the glass with yours and, uh, oh, okay. And he takes the shot back and he falls backwards (laughs) off the bar stool because like, he keeps leaning (laughs) <laughs> with the shot as he's bringing it to his lips, and just can I try to catch him? Rashes on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Give me a, give me a dexterity saving throw. Uh,
4: twenty-three.
1: So right as the as the bar stool is about to teeter backwards with him, you just slam one of your heels onto the bottom part of the bar stool that holds the legs together and grab onto the buttons on his shirt and just yank him back up into a seated position and sort of in one fluid motion basically set his head gently onto the bar because you can tell that as soon as you let go of him, he was just dead weight. He was going to go straight backwards or <laughs> forwards or wherever the momentum uh, was going. And so...
4: Uh, honey. You definitely
1: do not owe him five gold.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, that... <laughs> That pole pole, and I'm going to take one of the other shots off the thing and slam it back before I go upstairs to the room. Okay. When you get up
1: there, you notice that uh that same as last time that you were here, the rooms are very Spartan. Um <laughs> yours is on the opposite uh side of the hallway from the from the agents, and so the agents uh rooms are the back like, they would face out the back um, if you looked out the windows and stuff. Yours face out towards the well if you were to look out the window. Okay. Does that make sense? And there's literally just a bed and a chest at the foot of the bed and, like, a desk. And there isn't even any stationery at the desk.
4: Ugh. They didn't even leave me any paper? Ugh. All right. Well, I guess she didn't have any time to get this this room ready. And, and I... I assume. Do I still have, like, my pack and stuff? Oh, yeah. With me? Okay. Yeah. So I will go ahead and throw all that in the trunk and whatnot. Igmit, why don't
1: you go ahead and roll me both a
4: stealth and
1: a perception check?
0: Dirty 20 for the perception, 21, uh, dirty for the stealth.
1: Well, considering that you can't roll a twenty-one on an AD twenty, I assume it's dirty. But uh...
2: <laughs>
4: so he's got a special in... dice,
2: right? <laughs> Let me see that die you're rolling there. These dice go to twenty-one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, why don't you just make twenty louder? <laughs> well, these dice go to twenty-one. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Igmit, you're in your ground blind for probably a solid 45 minutes or so before you start to hear the rustling of bushes nearby and you see a glorious-looking pronghorn trots out and starts to nibble at some of the brush and it doesn't seem very aware of you at all and is uh, relatively... Relatively close at this point, um, I would say. Let's give you thirty feet on it. Thirty
0: feet, okay. What yep. kind of what kind of roll would I have to make to lasso that pronghorn?
1: Why don't you give me a dexterity attack? It's proficiencies seven. So a fourteen overall.
0: That doesn't hit it.
1: Yeah, I'll give it to you, but, I mean, this thing starts tugging immediately. Give me a strength check. And that shit better be good. 19. Well, sir, that isn't good enough. You ready to go for a ride? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So you get the lasso directly around its neck, and you go to, like, try and... Like, you try and put your foot up onto this, uh, onto this crook, and immediately your boot slips off of your foot and you've got nothing but your bare sock and you can't get traction for shit and you go forward and you let go of the rope for just a split second and grab back onto that thing as this pronghorn starts to drag you through <laughs> <laughs> through the brush Strong and problem. so <laughs> it's a big one like it's a big male like this is one of the biggest pronghorns that you've ever seen um And you take two points of damage before you... Go ahead and uh, give me another dexterity... Or another strength saving throw, I'm sorry. A 14. Okay, so you're still hanging on. And it's not really pulling you anymore now that you've got, like, your weight under you and you can kind of dig your feet in and stuff. But you also can't manage to, like, hand over hand this pronghorn any closer. And so basically... You've just got about 27 feet of rope, and, you know, about three of it's, or you've got 30 feet of rope, three of it's in your hand, and about 26 of it is just spanning between you and this pronghorn, because every time that you step closer, it brings the rope taut again, and every time that you try and, like, do a hand-over-hand motion, you realize that it's pulling way too hard for you to, you know, just be holding onto it with one hand, and so you're kind of at a stalemate. Go ahead and give me another uh, strength uh, saving throw. 19. Okay. So now it starts to get a little bit tired and you do start to hand over hand and get closer to it. And then you just grab this thing by the horns and just kind of wrestle it down to the ground and and just basically pin your torso over over its neck so that you've kind of got the horns in your hands. And, and you've got the side of your torso, like your rib cage, is on its neck. And you've kind of got your knee and your elbow sort of creating this trap. And it's still kicking and bucking, but you're pretty positive that you can ride it out until it's thoroughly tired. What would you like to do, okay. Mikvin? Um, do I have a
0: free hand to grab one of my tomahawks?
1: Why don't you give me a strength saving throw to try and grab onto one of your tomahawks seventeen so you it's tired enough at this point where you, when you take one of your uh, massive hands off of its horn you kind of just pin it down with your elbow as straight as possible and you grab that tomahawk and brandish it high go ahead and make your attack roll you have advantage
0: i I, I want to crack it in the
1: in the skull Fifteen. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. A Nineteen. All right. Yeah, you you crack it a good one over the skull, and it stops moving pretty quickly after that. So,
0: once I have the pronghorn roped and uh, I have a good hold on it. Um, I'm going to grab it by the throat and um, hold it down under the ground. Uh, I'm going to put my leg over its, over its body, so we're kind of holding it down like that as well. Um, then I'm going to pull out my tomahawk and um, great desert spirit. I call upon thee in this moment to witness my offering to you. I know according to the teachings of my people that if I am faithful and I show deference to you, that you can give me power. To fight my enemies and to protect myself and to protect those I am loyal to. This offering is for you. And I slice the pronghorn's neck open with the blade of the tomahawk, quickly severing its jugular. I ask thee great desert spirit to bestow strength upon me that I might go and defeat mine enemies. I know with that your power I am capable of anything you let me accomplish and anything I work hard enough at. I hold the pronghorn as it slowly bleeds out holding it firm thank you great desert spirit hear my prayer and then after i'm finished yelling up into the sky i let the pronghorn fall limp and then i stand up and leave the carcass
1: you, you actually start to feel the wind starts to pick up in all sorts of different directions and you you can sort of feel um, the, the like the blood was sort of it was still quite warm but it starts to get not hot enough to burn you but quite a bit warmer and your muscles start to tense up and you can feel like you can feel this unbridled Rage that just starts to build in in just the depth of your being, and and you almost feel like like somehow your anger is is more of a blessing than a curse. Uh,
0: then I stand up and um, I'm just gonna leave the the pronghorn there. I'm going to slowly walk back to town, uh, thinking about how I felt.
2: And Falk? So, at at some point I'm guessing that, um, that Portnoy would have either left the shop or or would at least have been, like, sort of, kind of out of Falk's general area.
1: Oh no! He one hundred percent uh does not seem to want to take his eyes off of you,
2: okay, well, this is gonna get kind of weird then um yeah, like uh as the the hours go on and the exhaustion like gets worse and worse, and especially the the heat from the you know constant um you know, melting of metal and using the crucibles and, you know, banging things out and all that kind of stuff. I'm, like, you know, pouring with sweat. It's, like, mixing with all the sort of dried blood and dirt and everything on me. And, like, you know, just getting basically to a disgusting mess, but also, like, my uh, mumbling is is getting quite worse. And, um, like, sort of under my breath uh, several times, uh, I... um, I'm kind of talking to somebody that's not really talking back, but, um, I keep saying things like, um, I I know you can probably hear me, and, uh, yeah, I I, I know everything that happened, it had to be real. Uh, I'm sure of it. And, um, I meant what I said when I was on the other side. I'm going to do what you need me to do to fix all this. And, uh, uh I I'm gonna I just need you to give me just a little bit more and um and I'll be able to see it through to the end and uh be able to stop all this. I'll be the vanguard. You um you notice that the
1: revolver in your holster Starts to glow a little bit, like you can you can see it glowing at your hip, and you you almost think that
2: you're delirious at first. I kind of turn around real quick to see if um, if Portnoy notices this or is looking in my general direction at the time.
1: No, he's uh he's just sitting at the desk and he he appears to be reading something or or looking at some something in a ledger. You're not white sure but it, he's definitely not looking directly at you or or this light just isn't apparent or bright
2: enough or you're not really sure but
1: it seems pretty fucking obvious to you
2: I uh, take the pistol out and I set it on the, the workbench in front of me and I sort of you know wipe my brow you know real quick and, and I'm like looking at the the, the runes that are written on it that um, you know spell out the sort of magical sort of incantations on it and everything like that and I, I'm looking to see what's uh, what's changing on it so
1: the runes are are not changing themselves uh, as a matter of fact the only thing that starts to change is it starts at the handle of this revolver and it slowly goes from... The kind of dull uh, gunmetal color that you know um, the majority of your revolver was, and it starts to shine this brilliant platinum color that then works its way over the entirety of this revolver, and all of the runes are 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 glowing with this with this deep set blue, um, and so it's basically just this. This brilliant silver color and and this blue that uh, that creates these runes and it just literally happens in seconds before your eyes and you look over to Patrick to kind of get like verification like am I are you seeing this too and not once does uh, Patrick Fortnoy look over your direction or even make a sound as though he notices this light this light show going on.
2: I, I bring my hands up to my face and, and sort of wipe the the sweat and, and everything out of, out of my eyes again and um, just kind of silently take the gun and put it back in the holster and then um, kind of let out a deep sigh and then reach over and start grabbing the, the thing that I was working on and continuing at it.
1: Alright, so Igmit, as you get back into town, make me a perception check when you're, cause you, when you're coming uh, around the corner from the crossing house.
0: It's a seven.
1: Alright. Never mind. Uh, where are you going? <laughs> you going into the crossing house?
0: Yes, and I am still soaked in
1: pronghorn blood. Everybody kind of looks at you and they, uh, and you just hear, EGWORD! <laughs> and they just go right back to what they were doing. It seems like everybody is way too drunk to notice what's going on. Like,
0: Can I knock on Tom's door? Tom! Tom,
3: wake the hell up! I open the door and I say, It wasn't a slip. What the hell happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> and I just have the biggest grin on my face
0: uh, and I grab him by the shoulders like, things
3: are gonna get a hell of a lot better just you wait I just nod in bewilderment <laughs> and kind of pull away and kind of keep my hand on the door like I'm ready to close it
0: and uh Igmit goes to his room
3: I uh still bewildered I close the door and then I let out a breath and then I, uh, I make my way towards my bed and I take my hat off and I lay down and I set my hat on my chest. For the first time, like ever since I set foot in the Wild West, my mind has been on detective work and making jokes and uh, fighting bad guys and the events of the night for the first time started to kind of hit me on an emotional level and I, instead of thinking about how, how to solve the mystery, I just started reflecting on everything that's happened through the, through the, um, the, the canyon, um, all the events of Fillmore's Crossing, down in the mines where I actually came close to a brush with death, and then this big giant that killed Falk, and for the first time I revived somebody that I was actually close to, and I, Tom knows that Falk probably thinks of him as a colleague. But Tom doesn't have a lot of friends, and when he gave him a hug, aside from their banter and jokes, that was the first time that Tom felt like maybe there was a chance that Falk felt that he was a friend as well, like it was mutual. And it just, all the stuff hits him, and a tear rolled down his face. We finally have a website where all of our content and links are consolidated to one place and it's at none other than www.lcpdnd.com. From there you can find our social media pages, our Discord server, our merch shop and even learn how you can play D&D with us each week. It's all there at lcpdnd.com. If you're enjoying the show and you want to help support us, we'd be super grateful. Tell your friends about us, share the podcast, review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Buy merch at sonerdware.com slash lcp or pledge any amount of money at patreon.com slash lcp. Any and all of these are super helpful to us. But even if you can't do any of these things, we would still love to have you hang out with us in the Discord server where we talk about whatever, and we play D&D together, and we share terrible memes. As mentioned, you can access our Discord through our new website, lcpdnd.com or find the link in the description of this podcast episode. Our Twitters are as follows. The show is at dndlcp Tim, the DM, is Ida Grab Your Gun. Chris, who plays Falk, is Chris Riley LCP. Wesley, who plays Igmet, is Wide Wide Wes. And I, Brian, the player of Tom, am at Manly Brian, or on Instagram as Brian underscore Bridges. That's all for now. We'll catch you on the clippity-clop. Because it's a cowboy show and horses make that sound. Anyway, see you next time.
1: Oh wiki, wiki, wild, a wiki, wild, wild west. Jim West, desperado, rough rider. No, you don't want nada. None of this six gun in this brother running this buffalo soldier. Look, it's like I told you. Any damsel that's in distress will be out of that dress when she meets Jim West.